true? I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys sound great. You sound great. Chris Hickman was up here playing the guitar this morning. Thank you, Chris. You did a great job. Sounded really good. Always nice to have Chris back. He did good. A uh, couple things. I, went, I, I went, told you I went deer hunting yesterday, and, and I hunt over at Ronnie's, and it was wonderful because I don't know if I've told some of y'all, but you need to hear it. You know, last year we had a big nativity scene for Christmas. Well, well, Ronnie helped build that with the guys. What we did is we took it out of his place and set it up, and it's now the world's best deer stand. It's awesome. And so anyway, I'm sitting in this thing that can hold like 30 people, and, and I'm having a good time, and this deer walks out, and I was hollering at him, and you know how deers are like 13-year-old boys. They see girls, and they're like, hey, it's a girl. I'm going to go talk to her. I'm like, hey, deer. And he's like, I don't even know you. I'm not going to stop. He just kept walking along, and so I was having fun, and, and then a, a bull walked right in front of me, about 20 yards in front of me, and had, you know, had his two horns, and I thought, that is the biggest spike I've ever seen in my life. And then I thought, if I shoot that, there's no way Ronnie's going to let me get by with it. So anyway, I let him walk. But heard a story this morning I thought was really funny. There, there's a lady, husband and wife, they went to the mall, and they were getting ready for Christmas shopping, and she wanted to buy a dress for the nativity play coming up, wanted to buy something really nice. And, and so she goes in, and there's this beautiful red dress. And, and her husband had told her, you resist the temptation to buy any clothes. And, and so she's, she went in there, and she saw this dress, and she put it on, and she bought it, and she got home, and she said, I've got to just show you this dress, so she puts it on. He said, woman, I told you not to buy a dress. Why didn't you say, get thee behind me, Satan, when, when, that, when you saw that dress? She goes, well, it's the devil that maybe." He said, why didn't you say, get thee behind me, Satan? She said, I did. He said, well, what happened? She said, it looked good from the back, too. <laughs> so she bought it. <laughs> Oh, man. Y'all don't use that now, Trish. Don't you use that. Um, I, I've been doing a series right now on kind of one-off messages, things I've been praying about, and, and I've really been focusing on needs that I know people have expressed in their life. So this is kind of a series of messages on things that you need. And, you know, we talked the last couple of weeks about joy, how we needed to understand what real joy is. If you missed any of that, go back, look on the website, and you can listen to those messages. Matter of fact, all of the messages that we do are on our church website, and you can go back and download them or listen to them. I want to encourage you to do that if you miss one. But, but this week, I wanted to talk about a topic that I know folks deal with constantly, and, it, and it's titled, How Can I Change? How Can I Change? You know, I, if I were to go around and sit with every person in this room and I said, describe to me some of the struggles that are going on in your life, each one of you would probably have one or two things, some of you a bunch, some of you not as many, but there are areas in your life that you struggle with. There are things in your life that you have a hard time dealing with and you have said maybe once, maybe twice, maybe a thousand times, I can't change. I may try, but I can't change. I've done my very best, but I can't change. And it's funny, the excuses that we use. You know, people use different excuses for why they can't change. One of my favorites is, it's, it's in my genetics. I have a temper because I'm Irish. Have you ever heard anybody say that? It's my Irish heritage. 
you know, uh, or, or, you know, my family is, is American Indian, and that's why, you know, I chop people in the head. You know, I mean, it's, we, we come up with all these different excuses. Some of y'all have said that, well, it's just my genetics, or that's how Papa was, and that's how Daddy was, and that's how I am. Come on. Let's be honest. And so we blame things in our lives on, on weird things. And they're really just excuses, aren't they? They're just excuses because we've tried to change and we've stumbled and we've fallen so many times. But I have good news for you today because I know that many of you, and this may be one of those that you want to keep a copy of this because, and refer to it over the years because I'm going to show you the biblical formula for change. There is a way for you to be able to change, but it's going to take effort on your part. You can't just sit around and say, oh, God, change me, and and just sit there and wait for him to do something. No, he sent Jesus to die for you. Jesus rose again. The Holy Spirit's come to live inside of us, but it takes effort on your part. You are going to have to do something. And so we're going to talk about that today. Romans chapter 7, verse 15 in your Bible, in your notes, are on the screen. This is out of the New Living Translation. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Rome. I don't understand myself at all, he says, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I do the very thing that I hate. That's the Apostle Paul. Isn't it interesting that even the Apostle Paul, even one of these guys that was just a a giant in in the history of the church, in the history of our faith, even he admits that he had struggles. There are things that he wants to change, but he's struggling with. I want to tell you there's some symptoms that happen when you go through these series of things that you don't feel like you can change. And I want to talk about each one of them briefly. The first one, look at the little diamond on your paper there. If you are having trouble changing, if you're fighting this battle inside yourself, the first thing that happens is it becomes a part of your identity. It becomes a part of your identity. People would define you, oh, you know, he's that guy with the bad temper. Or this, that, and the other thing. You know what I'm talking about? People begin to label you. And instead of identity, maybe use the term label. It becomes this thing you label. Some of you, maybe when you were a child or you were in school and you were struggling in school, maybe a teacher or other friend said, well, that person's stupid. Some of you have heard that. Well, they're stupid. And what happened is it's almost like somebody labeled you and now it becomes part of your identity. It's not necessarily true, but you believe it. And we tend to act like what we believe. And so these labels get hung on us. They become part of our identity. And now these challenges that you face become defining things in your life. It becomes part of who you are. Here's the second thing, the second challenge that can come on to you. is The first one, it becomes part of your identity. And then over time, you feel increasingly hopeless. You feel increasingly hopeless. After you fight this addiction or this challenge for so many years, it becomes part of who you are, and now you are feeling hopeless, and I would also say helpless. Those people that fight addictions will tell you that that's part of what goes on. It almost becomes part of them and begins to control them, and they begin to lose hope. You know, the worship team will tell you, when we get together, we usually pray every Sunday morning before we worship, and I usually will pray, Father, when people come in here today, Encourage them, give them hope. You know, you can tell people that have lost hope. I passed a young man this morning, and I wish I would have had time to stop. He was walking down the side of FM 101, going down the road, and he was dressed in a camouflage jacket. 
And he had a hoodie on top of his head, and he had it pulled down so all I could see was this much of his face, and he was walking like this. And my heart broke because that was the face of hopelessness. I mean, you can see it on people. They walk around like this. Their heads are down. That's why many times you'll see in the Bible, it says, look up to your salvation. Look up. Because hopelessness bears you down. It's like a weight on top of you. But hope lifts up and it looks up. And we have to learn to look up. Some of you know what I'm talking about today. You feel hopeless. And it even physically can be seen in the way you carry yourself. Here's another thing that happens when when we start dealing with these challenges in our life. We become defensive. You ever been around somebody that's defensive about how they act? Come on, let's be honest. Don't point at people, that's not nice. But we do, we become defensive about our behavior. We become defensive, and that's a sure sign that you're dealing with one of these challenges is that you become real defensive about it. We have to deal with that. Here's the other thing. It gets worse as you go. You become a slave. You become a slave. Now you, you are owned by this challenge that you face. It not only begins to define who you are, it possesses you. And now this addiction or this challenge, whatever it is, you become a slave to it. Here's the last thing. This is the end result of these challenges. You begin to lose your life. You begin to lose your life. The Bible tells us that the end result of sin is death. Man, this sounds really harsh, doesn't it? But you know what? Those of you that are struggling with these things today, you know it's true. As I speak these words, you're going, that's right. That's true. But there is hope. There is absolutely hope. Jesus died to set you free. I love that, where Jesus said, I came to set the captives free. I mean, he came down to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to do all these things, but he did it, and you're struggling with it, and somewhere along the line, there's got to be this this opportunity where these two things intersect. That's today. That's today. So I want you to open your eyes and your ears, and I want you to open your heart more than anything and listen to this. I'm going to tell you now how to change. Romans 6 verses 12 through 14. Listen to the commandment here. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Hmm. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You know, I love grace. Grace is awesome. You know, our youngest daughter, Kennedy, middle name's Kennedy Grace. We named her after my grandmother, Gracie Allen, who was the sweetest, most godly woman. I love her so much. And, and she was just such an a, a impactful part of my life growing up. And, and Grace, and she was kind of the epitome of her name, wasn't she, Trish? Just the sweetest lady. I mean, I knew when Grandmother Allen said she was going to pray about something, brother, it was going to happen. I mean, you've been around people like that in your life, but she had a hard life. As a matter of fact, the last few years of her life, she really struggled with cancer, but you'd have never known it. I'll never forget, uh, Trish and I were married, and, and some of you know the story. Uh, 
uh, Trish's birthday's on April 1st, April Fool's Day, and so we'd gotten married, and, and I remember Trish coming into the, to the office one day on her birthday and, and saying, I, I've got to tell you something. I said, what? She goes, I'm pregnant. We've been married, you know, just a few weeks at this time, and I'm like, okay, that, that's fantastic. Um, okay, that, yes, that's great. And then I remember her laughing, going, I'm just kidding, April Fool's, and we laughed. <laughs> Two weeks later, we were pregnant. <laughs> I mean, we hadn't even figured out how to be married, and all of a sudden we're having, we're having a, a baby. And I remember going down, and uh, we went and saw my grandmother, and this was in the final, I guess, the final few months of her life. And we went down to see her, and, uh, <laughs> and Trisha, of course, was pregnant. And, and um, we go in there, we're talking to my grandmother, and she goes, well, have you picked any names out yet? We said, well, we're talking about it. And, and she goes, I really like Phoebe Antoinette. <laughs> Taylor was almost Phoebe Antoinette. <laughs> and then we named her Taylor Madison Clem. And, and Trisha's grandparents said, why did you name her after old presidents? Taylor Madison, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, somebody's always got a gripe about something. <laughs> But, you know, you look back in your life and you look at the people and the things and your heritage, but you want, I want you to know something today. The heritage that I have is a godly heritage, but I have to choose whether to inherit that or not. And you being slave to things, you knowing that you need to change in your life, it really comes down to your decision. And I love what Paul says here. Instead, instead of serving sin, give your lives to God. Give your lives to God. You know, when you give something to God, you don't need to take it back. You know, you've heard the term, many of you that have been around in church, when we come down to the altar, and I will say something to the effect of, leave it at the altar. In other words, don't take it back with you. And I want you to understand something. The way you have to work with God is, is don't give it and take it back. Give it and take it back because he will let you do that. You have to give your life to him and leave it there. And that is an ongoing challenge. Because we're in the flesh and the flesh wants to rise up, doesn't it? How many of you are hard-headed? How many of you want your own way? Somebody's lying. I know some of y'all. Hey, get your hands up. <laughs> but the truth is we want what we want, and we have to choose to give our lives to God. If we want to beat these challenges and addictions in our lives, we have to give it to God and leave it there. So how do we do this? Number one, look at number one. Get rid of excuses. Get rid of excuses. We have to get to the place in our life where we do not make excuses for ourselves anymore. That we admit we have a challenge, and then we begin to deal with the challenge. But if you continue to fool yourself and cover up and cover up and cover up, you're never going to change. You understand me? And you can tell someone that's not ready to change because you begin to deal with the challenge in their life, and they begin to make excuses for why they're that way. Well, I'm this way because of this, that, and the other thing. Do they really want to change? Maybe they want to, but they're not ready to. So you have to take ownership. You have to take ownership. I talked to a young man earlier in the week, and he'd had some challenges going on in his life, and I began to talk to him about it. And in <laughs> the two situations that we talked about in his life, he blamed on other people. It was so-and-so. It wasn't me. It was so-and-so. 
Well, I knew it was him, but he said it was so-and-so. And And then the second challenge, I said, what about this one? He said, well, it's so-and-so. What did that tell me? Wasn't ready to change. You have to take ownership of yourself. Amen? Romans 6, uh, excuse me, Luke 14, 18 through 20 says this. But they all alike began to make excuses. Jesus was calling people to himself. Isn't it interesting? He's, he's telling us a story here of these people. They all began to make excuses. The first one said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. Why is this important? Jesus is telling the story of the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're inviting all these people in to this feast, and, and all the servants come back, and these are some of the excuses that were given for people not to come. Y'all, one of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord. This is real. One of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord, and your excuses are not going to work. And I don't say that today to sound like I'm browbeating you. and I'm making, Look, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. We have to decide not to have excuses in our life and make what Trisha calls a quality decision to move on to the next level. We have to get past these things and stop making excuses. So here's what I want you to tell you today. If you're facing a challenge, an addiction, a problem in your life, stop making excuses, stop blaming everybody else, and admit that you've got a problem. You understand me? And then you can move on. Here's number two. You have to make a break. Make a break. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17 says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Let me explain what that means. Yoked together. How many of you have ever seen uh, horses, mules, oxen, whatever, pulling, pulling a plow? How many of you have ever seen that? All right, even on TV or whatever. But you understand the concept. What they would do is they would, they would tie these two animals together, but they have to be compatible. Why? Because if, if they're not compatible or they don't work together well, it's going to mess up what they're trying to do. They have to be yoked together and they have to work together. And, and what Jesus is saying here is do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Why? Because you, you believe one way and act one way and they believe another. And if you're yoked together, it's never going to work. It's just not going to work. Because what you believe and what they believe is not going to work. So he says, do not be yoked. This is 2 Corinthians. It wasn't Jesus. This is Paul. 2 Corinthians, do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Listen to this next statement. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, I want to clarify something, because this is very important, so listen to me. What he is, what, what Paul is not saying here is, he's not saying, don't ever go around anybody that's not a Christian. That's not what he's saying. There are denominations and churches that have built these fortresses that they don't let anybody in and nobody goes out and they don't do anything and they all die. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is the close, intimate relationships that you have, make sure those people believe like you do because of this next statement. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33 through 34. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. I know some of you because you've told me when you really made a commitment to the Lord, when you knew you really wanted to live for the Lord, you had to watch who you hung out with. I tell you, one of the reasons that we, are, we know the business of who our kids are hanging out with is because who they're hanging out with is who they're going to be like. If you've been around here any amount of time, you have heard me say this. You will become like who you hang out with. You will become like who you hang out with. And if you're wanting to get better and make changes in your life, then you need to begin to build relationships with people that believe like you want to believe, maybe some of them that are where you want to be, not people that are going to hold you back and hold you down. In other words, bottom line it for you, some of you need to change your friends. Some of you need to change your friends. It's like, Pastor, that's, that's hard. Yeah, it is. You know, <laughs> growing up, how many of you have heard your, you know, the, somebody ask you why you did something, you said, because so-and-so did it? Come on. Why did y'all jump off the cliff on your bicycles? Because Jimmy did it. Right? To which usually was followed, well, if they did thus and such, would you jump too? You know, I mean, you know, and the answer is usually yes. <laughs> you know, because in our desires, most of our desires, we tend to follow people. I mean, have you ever been in a crowd that was walking somewhere and you didn't even know where they were going? <laughs> but you figured somebody knows what's going on, so I just got to go. Right? I mean, we've all done that. I mean, some of you have been in an airport before and you're walking in and there's a crowd. Oh, I better go with them. Where are we going? I don't know, but we're all going together. <laughs> right? I mean, we've all done that. And I want to tell you, you've got to look at who you're hanging out with. Because where they're going is where you're going to end up. And I'm not saying don't ever talk to people. That are, I mean, that's not what I'm saying. I am way not that way. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is the intimate friends that you have, you will become like them for good or for bad. So if you want to change, you need to change your friends, especially those of you that are dealing with addictions and challenges. That crowd is going to lead you to that place every time. Change your friends. All right. Number three, fill the void. Fill the void. What does that mean? It is a scientific fact that, that something is going to fill a vacuum up. And so if in your life you begin to make decisions to make changes and you remove some things in your life, you've got to fill it with something else or something else will fill it anyway, even those things you don't choose. So you have to make a decision here to fill the void. You know, give, give your life to Jesus. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. In other words, really, really bad decisions. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So when you give your life to God, when you make a decision to make a change, you need to change your friends and hang around people you want to be like. Right? Number one. Number two is you need to fill up this area in your life that now is void. And you got to fill it with something good. Because it's going to fill up with something. So here's my suggestion. You need to get in a life group. You need to build some relationships with people. You need to make a decision 
to get around some people that you want to be like. You know, one of the things I love about our church is there's a lot going on, and there are a lot of opportunities for you to get to know people. We've got Bible studies and groups. I mean, here's another thing you need to say, well, Pastor, I'm busy. I don't have time to do that. You know what? You need to find some people in this church that you really respect and like, and you need to spend some time with them. You need to fill up the void in your life with people. But more importantly, you need to fill up the void in your life with the Spirit and the power of God. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4, 4, 8 through 12 says this. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He worked all the time. And then the Bible skips down and says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three, stand, three strands is not quickly broken. Bottom line. I'm a bottom line guy. You can't do life by yourself. You were made for a relationship. And while our society may really glorify the lone wolf, the lone wolf is just an easy target. And you need to get people in your life and around you that that you can begin to build relationships so that when you fall down, they can lift you up. You need people like that. I am thankful I've got some people like that in my life. You need some people that will be honest with you. If you're getting ready, if you're with the crowd, you're going along, and, and these friends look at you and go, where are you going? Oh, I don't know. They're the ones that go, hey, let's not do that. Let's not go where the crowd's going. Because what your friends may see is there's a cliff up here. But you need to be close enough to some people that they can tell you that's coming, and they will reach out and help you. And when you fall down, they will lift you up. If you're looking at your life right now and you realize you don't have that, you need that. But it's going to take effort on your part. You know, I've heard heard people say to me before, Pastor, I I don't have any close friends. You know, the Bible says if you want to have friends, you need to show yourself friendly. In other words, you need to make an effort to get to know people. Right? You need to make an effort. You need to step out of your comfort zone and get to know people. You need to become vulnerable. Ooh, there's a scary word. But that's what it takes in life. Here's the other thing that you need to do. You need to find your purpose in life. You need to find your purpose in life. You know, I, I love seeing people begin to come alive in their relationship with God. You know, we've, we've got things coming up that we're working on right now. I've got a group of ladies, and I'm going to let you just say this out loud. If you're a writer or you like to write things, I want you to start writing devotionals. We're putting together some devotionals, and I've already got a stack of them that some of the ladies have written. And, uh, you know, I don't have any guys writing them because basically I think guys would say, love God, do good stuff, the end. You know, I mean, it's just... And the ladies write these nice, beautiful things. But, but I, but I want to tell you that if, if you've got these desires, you need to write. And who would have thought that that could be a gift that the Lord could use? But it absolutely is. We're going to take those things and put them online and have daily devotionals for you to look at. So, so whatever gift and ability that you have, there's a place for it to be plugged into the body of Christ. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. You know, you need to be greeting people at the door. Or going. I mean, you, you can step out. There's something for you to do. Some of you like to change diapers. We really need your help. <laughs> but there are different gifts and abilities that you have, but you need to find your purpose. And I'm going to say this, and I say it all the time because it's true. You will never be more fulfilled in life than you're doing what God created you to do. There's nothing like it. 
There's nothing like it. You know, I look at the different people in the church and the different things they do, and I never see them more alive than when they're doing. I mean, when I, when I see Wes sing, I'm working with him. I think he can get there. He's coming along. But, you know, when he's singing, he's doing what God made him to do, right? But there, every one of you, and listen to me, every one of you in this room has those different gifts and abilities. You have purpose, but you have to be willing to step outside your comfort zone and allow God to begin to use you and move in that way. Takes courage, doesn't it? Here's the last thing I want to point out today. You have to live your life for the good of others. Seems a little odd, doesn't it? Live your life for the good of others. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each one should use whatever gift he's received for their own benefit. Know what it says? What does it say? For others. Do you know why you have gifts and abilities? It's for other people. Isn't that interesting? See, I stand up in here and, and I use my communication and my connecting gift, and I know it's a blessing. I know it is right now. But is it for my benefit? No, it's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. And, and you all have gifts and abilities, but it's not just so you yourself can feel good about it. It's so that you can give it and serve and give it to other people. I mean, I'm even I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I, I'm just gonna making this up on the fly. But listen to me. Some of you guys are really good hunters. Come on, guys, say amen. amen. I know Tim is. I mean, I you know Tim shot like 400 deer last year or something. I mean, he. I mean, if you're with PETA, I'm sorry. You'll have to get over it. You're in the wrong church. But, uh, I, you know, Tim, there, there are mother deer walking around now, now that have pictures of Tim, and they say, don't ever go near this man, <laughs> ever. You know, I mean, <laughs> but I want you to understand something today. Tim, guess what? There are young men in our community that don't have a father figure. Wouldn't it be great if there was a way that you could share some of that knowledge with them? Hallelujah. Really? You know, I, I love the fact some of you are going, you know, we did the announcement a few minutes ago about extreme couponing. And you think, what in the world has that got to do with anything? That's a gift that one of our church members have. I mean, she does this extreme couponing and, and loves that. And, and, and that's a benefit. She, that's actually a gift that she can give away. And so, ladies, I want to encourage you, come to this class. I mean, you go to extreme couponing and learn how to save all this money. All the guys said, Amen. come on now. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Because you need that new bass boat, <laughs> and we need some coupons. <laughs> I don't know why this happens this way. Just the way my mind works. <laughs> I know. I was sitting the other day, and I was thinking, extreme couponing. I'm thinking, okay, how can we do a guys group on extreme couponing? And I can just see about 20 guys sitting in one of the rooms back here with a Cabela's catalog. Oh, did you know? You can get, you know, right? They don't do that for guys, unfortunately, but I really thought that was funny. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sorry. But I love what it says here. It says, each one of us should use whatever gift he's received, whatever gift, whatever it is. Extreme couponing, that's a great gift. You know, uh, the different gifts and abilities that we have, those are God-given gifts, but they're not given just for you to hoard. They're given so that you can serve other people with them. Some of you have the gift of compassion. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. 
Some of you have the gift of leadership. There's all these different gifts that the Bible talks about, but the gifts are not for you to hoard and look at yourself and go, I have a great gift, so that you can serve other people with it. I'm excited about that, but you need to use it. You need to use it, amen? I'm going to do something a little bit different today. How many of you um, look right now, and in front of your seat, there is a, a survey? Look in, look in your seat. Everybody have a survey? It's in the bulletin? Look, look, we're, I know this is, I've never done this in four and a half years, but I'm going to do it right now because this is very important. If you do not have a survey, raise your hand. Now, here's what we're doing. We're going to do these as a family. If you're with your family, you know you only need to fill out one. If you're by yourself, you fill one out. You say, well, Pastor, why are you doing this? I want to tell you why we're doing this. I'm going to explain it to you. Our church is awesome, right? And God's doing really, really awesome things in our church right now. But we're at a place where we're really growing. And the leadership team, Trish and I are getting with the leadership team, and we're making some big decisions for the church over the next couple of months. But, but this is your church also, and we need to get your opinion about things. And so we're going to take a few minutes before I pray, and we're going to do this as a church family. If you're a visitor today, you can doodle on there or do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but I want to know your opinion, okay? So we're going to go through this together. Church survey 2013. Number one, look at it right now. Can everybody see? Can y'all see? If you can't see, raise your hand. Okay. Does everybody have a survey? Does everybody have a pen? Do you need one, Brenda? You got one. You've got one or you need one? Okay, good. All right, here's number one. If the church were to offer two Sunday morning services for worship, which one would you and your family attend? Now, I put these numbers in here as general guidelines. We might would adjust them. But say the first service was 8.30 a.m. to 10 a.m. And the second service was 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. I want you to circle one of those. Which one you think you would attend? Okay? Y'all can talk amongst yourselves if you'd like. I think I'll probably go to both of them if we do that. I, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> All right, number two. What topics would you be interested in studying or attending if a group or class was offered? I want you to circle as many as apply and then fill in the information or the blank if there's a topic that's not on here that you've always wanted to study about. So, for instance, letter A is marriage and family. You can circle as many as apply. Marriage and family. Letter B is parenting. Letter C is finances God's way or management and budgeting. Letter D is men's ministry. Letter E is women's ministry. F is young marrieds. G is Bible study, i.e. Romans, Genesis, etc. And then I left other. You could, another topic, if you were interested in Revelation or you want a motorcycle group or whatever, that's your opportunity. Yeah, the girl, yeah, 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 that one. Write in there what, what you would be interested in attending. So I'm going to give you a second to do that. And when you're done, look up at me so I'll know that you're done. Good. All right. Letter number three. Number three. Now, now listen, y'all. Listen, 
Here's what I want you to do here. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to answer it. I don't want you to answer what you wish you did. I want you to answer what you really did. <laughs> okay? That's the way surveys are. Have you ever taken a survey before, and they said, be honest, when it's a self-evaluation? You know, if you wear a size 38 pants, I want to know that. Don't say, I wear a size 29, because you want to. <laughs> what I'm saying here is I need to know the truth, so tell me the truth. How often do you or your family attend church Sunday mornings? Every Sunday? Three times a month, two times a month, one time a month, when I can. Circle one of those. Okay? Turn the page or flip it over. If a Sunday night church service were offered, would you attend? Yes or no? If a Sunday night church service were offered, would you attend? Now listen to me. Again, I want you to be honest here. I don't want you to circle yes or no if you wouldn't be there. Because if we offer it and you don't come up, I'm going to call you. <laughs> I'm going to say, where are you at? <laughs> okay? So I need to know the truth there. You need, to, you need to be honest. All right, number five. If you currently do not attend Sunday evening life groups or classes, would you explain why? Just very briefly. It can be I'm working. It can be I'm not interested, just whatever, be honest, okay? Give you a second to do that. You are doing so good. All right. Number six. Number six. How often do you attend Wednesday evening classes? A, every Wednesday, B, three times a month, C, two times a month, D, one time a month, letter E, when I can. Circle that one. And I thought so much of number seven that I actually did it twice, so you don't have to answer that one, okay? I really wanted to know the answer to that. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your name and phone number on there. Because I want to know. I'd appreciate you doing that. Now, here's the deal. This has nothing to do with your salvation. If you didn't fill this out today and you are a Christian, you will still go to heaven, okay? Just know that. But, but here's the deal. We need some input from you. And so we want to know what you really think. So I want you to, to be honest here. If there's anything else you need to go over and do, I want you to fill it out real quick. Okay? Just take a second to do that. When you're done... And you get up from your seat, just leave it in your seat. You don't have to carry it anywhere, okay? I figured that way, if somebody forgot it, that would be the right thing to do. So just leave it in your seat, okay? If the uh, um, worship team will come forward, we're going to pray. And you say, now, Pastor, why would you do this in a Sunday morning service? I'll tell you what Jesus told us. Jesus said, go and make disciples, didn't he? And so our passion as a church is not only to have amazing Sunday morning services, we want to see you become the person that God has called you to be. I recently read an article from a pastor in a church in California. It's a big church, and, and one of the things on that, that article really impressed me, and this is what it said, and I want you to hear this because this is my heart also. He said, one of the ways we measure success as a church 
is that if people were no longer at our church, where would they be 10 years from now? Are they still serving God? Are they still going to church somewhere? Are they still being a disciple of Christ? And that really impacted me because I don't want to just think about today and what's going on. I want to think about your kids and your grandkids, and I want to think about your life down the road. And I want us to have such an amazing church that we are constantly growing in our relationship with the Lord. And I know that can't happen just Sunday morning. We have to offer more things to help you become the person that God's called you to be. And say, all right, Pastor, what's that got to do with your sermon today? You want to know how you change? You begin to make decisions that are going to be changed for your life, and that's part of what this is about. If you're struggling with an addiction, maybe it's in a class on that. If you're struggling with your finances, maybe it's a class on that. If you're struggling with your weight, see, I want to offer things that are going to help you get beyond where you are so that you can become the person that God's called you to be. How can I change, God? How can I change? How can I be the husband and father? Let me tell you something, y'all. I ask myself these questions too. I'm not perfect. There are things in my life that I need to change, like, you know, one thing or something. (laughs) And I ask myself these same questions. God, I want to be an awesome husband. I want to be a great father to my kids. I want to be an awesome pastor. I want to be a great community leader. But that doesn't just happen. In order for us to become those kind of people, we have to know who we are in Christ. We have to become the people that God's called us to be. And that's not going to accidentally happen. You have to choose to be that person. So here's what I want us to do. Let's, let's bow our heads this morning. If you're here today... And you're fighting a challenge. There's, there's, there are areas in your life that you want to change, but you don't feel like you can. I want you to be honest this morning. There's no condemnation in this place. This is between you and God. And you're dealing with a struggle. Whatever it is, you know what it is. It's the thing that keeps you up at night. It's that thing when you're alone that bothers you. It's that thing you can't ever seem to get past. I'll tell you, the right first step is doing what the Bible said. Give it to God. Give your life to Him and and leave it there. Jesus came to set you free, but you have to be willing to allow Him to do that. It's not going to magically happen. You have to give your life to Him. So if you're here today and you're dealing with a challenge or a struggle, there's something going on and and you can't seem to get ahead, you can't seem to change, I want you to come forward to the altar today. The prayer partners are coming right now. And there's going to be somebody up here to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. This is the first step to becoming the person that God's called you to be. Prayer partners are coming. If that's you today, you'd say, Pastor, I'm dealing with struggles in my life. I need to get ahead. I need to get past this. If that's you, I want you to get out of your seat and come down to the altar. And let's lay it at the foot of the cross today. Whatever it is. Amen. Amen. Prayer partners, come.
It's the most important thing we do every week. To proclaim that you are everything My life's nothing without you Take my hands and lead me through You are my sustaining love Lord, I live to offering that I bring humbly I fall on my knees to proclaim that you are everything my life's nothing without you take my hands and lead me through you are my sustaining love Lord I worship you I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna worship you 
forever I'm gonna worship you not ashamed I'm not ashamed of you I'm not ashamed of you I'm not ashamed of you no ashamed of you I'm not ashamed of you no I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna worship you forever I'm gonna worship you I'm gonna worship you Forever I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. Gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. Every day, Lord, I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. Not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. No, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of you. No, just the voice is singing. Oh, I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. Gonna worship you. I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. If it's all I do, I'm gonna worship you. Forever I'm gonna worship you. See, here I am. I'm worshiping you with all I am. I'm worshiping you. We're bowing down. We're bowing down. And spirit and truth with lifted hands. With lifted hands. Worshiping you. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Nothing is Oh, my world in your head. 
you to know today the Bible says that when we come to God he will not cast us out isn't that awesome he looks at each one of us he knows our past he knows our fear he knows what's going on in our lives he will not cast us out he's not looking at you going you're not good enough he loves each one of us amen and he's got a plan for each one of our lives and if we will come to him and we'll, if we'll lay our lives out there for him and draw close, he will draw close to us and he will change us. How many of you have seen God do a miracle in your life? It's pretty awesome. Look around. Keep your hands up. Look around. That's a lot of miracles, isn't it? Don't tell me that God's not changing lives. Don't tell me that God's not still in that business. As you leave this place today, Keep your eyes open to see those around you that are hurting. Shine the light. Show them the love of God. And watch what he begins to do in their lives. Amen. As you get ready to leave today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to high-five three people. I want you to hug somebody. If you're a guy and you don't hug, you can give them a man hug. Y'all know what a man hug is? I'm going to show you. Now, now look, this is a man hug. Y'all ready? I'm going to profile it so y'all can check out. I have a lovely profile. It's like this. Man hug right there. All right? So, so, so if you don't want to touch anybody, come on. Let's all do it. Come on, fellas. You ready? One, two, three. That's good right there. I feel the love right now. <laughs> but I want you to do that. It's your church family, all right? Now, surveys. Leave them in your seat. Don't carry them with you. We love you guys. Have a good week.